This morning's scripture comes from Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do, all not, do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is to teach, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is the word of the Lord for us. Jigsaw puzzles have been a favorite pastime since their invention, their creation, which was in the year 1762. 1762. Jigsaw puzzles. And you probably noticed this morning as you came in, there's a puzzle piece on your chair. I hope you can have access to one of those. In fact, go ahead and get your puzzle piece now. We'll talk about those in just a few minutes. But did you know popularity of of puzzling, of jigsaw puzzles, is on the rise? Over the past several years, there has been an explosion in jigsaw puzzle sales. Apparently, COVID was kind of the impetus that kind of started this resurgence in puzzling, but it really isn't slowing down. More and more people are doing puzzles. Uh, We have a nice collection of puzzles here at MCA, if you didn't know. Some of the families here who like to do puzzles, uh, there's a bookcase in the back stairwell. It's like a bring a puzzle, take a puzzle kind of thing, and so you're welcome to enjoy that. Do a puzzle, take one, leave one. Um, so it's a good thing. It's a good thing to share in that. Um, it's not a pastime that I particularly do or enjoy. Rachel does it, but I have a hard time staying awake. Uh, <laughs> I think one time I even fell asleep right on top of the thing. Uh, apparently when I woke up, I had a real puzzled look on my face. I um, but again, you, you've got a puzzle piece with you this morning, or you should. We put them on, on the seats as you came in this morning. And um, there's a table in the back where I'm going to encourage us to put together this puzzle that we now have spread out across the room. Uh, we put some of the outline pieces in place, but I'm going to challenge us uh, to hold on to your puzzle piece and to fit it into the larger piece as an illustration of what we're talking about today, that we are connected to one another that we belong to one another, that we fit together just as God has designed. And maybe that's not this week. I'm not sure if you'll have time. Maybe that's next week. But over the next four weeks uh, in this sermon series, I want to encourage you to find where your puzzle piece fits. Uh, one way, I will say, there's one, one tip that makes it a little easier. There's a poster of the puzzle out there in the foyer with the puzzle. And on the back, it's broken into eight different sections labeled A through G. And on the back of your puzzle piece, do you see how you have letters? So you know... Uh, basically, the, if the puzzle is broken down in eight parts, you know which section yours is in. So that does, that does help. It gives you an indication of where your puzzle piece might fit. But the goal is, so I'm setting this goal for us, that we will complete the puzzle uh, in the next four weeks. So let's see if we can make some progress on that today and over the next coming weeks. But uh, again, let me, let me uh, tie this into the scriptures. <laughs> uh, but the, the puzzle is an illustration of followers of Jesus. That in God's design, we are individuals, but we fit together. Together, we really create a clear picture of the kingdom and of the gospel as we live out God's purposes in the context of genuine Christian community. That you were designed for connection. That's just what we're going to talk about together this morning. So let me introduce myself. I'm John. I serve as lead pastor 
thrilled that you're with us. And I'm praying, well, you know what I'm praying, that through our time together, your heart and your home would grow stronger in the Lord. And I mean that. So starting a brand new sermon series this morning that I'm excited about, it's called One Another. Here's where we're headed for the next four weeks together. I'll give us a, a roadmap. This is leading up to Mother's Day. We've got four Sundays here before the holiday. We are learning this morning that we are connected to one another, that, that each of us has a role to play in God's kingdom. Week two, next week is accept one another. We choose to accept one another, embrace one another. Why? Because that's what Christ has done for us. He has embraced us and accepted us. Week three will be teach one another. Do we have a spirit willing to learn? And the Lord wants us to teach one another. And then finally, we will finish up with carrying each other's burdens from Galatians chapter six, where we understand that we show care when we bear a burden for one another. So we are only highlighting four of them, but in the New Testament, there are 59 of them. These are the one another's. We are, we, are, we are commanded to do this business of, this work of one-anothering. We could, we could put it in verb form. One-anothering. In fact, I'll give you the Greek word. You'll leave, you'll leave a, a biblical scholar this morning. Uh, and part of the reason I want to give the Greek word is it's a great word for this one-anothering. It's one word that we translate as one-anothering. But it's interesting because it's almost ironic because the word is pronounced all alone. <laughs> yeah, that's the Greek word. The Greek word is all alone. And it sounds like you're all alone, but when you want another, you're not all alone. You're connected and you're being loved and cared for. So this is the the Greek word. We have 59, well, there are over 100 uses of the word, but there are 59 commands to one another in the New Testament. Again, we are just going to do four of them, uh, and a lot of them are related. And I have uh, more studies on that. If you want additional resources or if you and your family or your core group want to go deeper in the one anothering study, uh, I'm glad to help resource you to do that. But 59 times we're told to one another. These these are the uh, love one another, bear with one another, uh, as as we'll talk about several of them, but admonish one another, care for one another. Of course, we're doing this series for four weeks in conjunction with our annual Sunday school shuffle. Our Sunday school shuffle. This is for high school students and older. It's an opportunity for our church family to get to know some others, to build relationship. In fact, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but if I were to say, is there someone in the room that you don't know? Is there someone here that you haven't met? You haven't made uh, the acquaintance of every room, every hand in the room, I believe would probably go up. And so this is an opportunity. Part of our vision statement, you heard it from Jeremy a few moments ago, is to be a vibrant community. And so our elder board has long discussed and talked and prayed, and, and we're working toward how do we become a vibrant community. This is one mechanism that we want to put in place, this annual event where we do a Sunday school shuffle. Is this because we want to pull you away from your core group and your friends? Of course not. <laughs> is this because we want to see dynamic encouraging, mutually beneficial relationships arise, and even specifically thinking cross-generationally, that there's something that the younger ones can learn from the older. There's something that that the older ones can be inspired about from the younger. And so we have an opportunity uh, for these four weeks to participate in our Sunday school shuffle. So maybe you haven't signed up yet. That's okay. I encourage you to stay for our hour of Sunday school after the service. 
Um, you can sign up at the Connection Center. We're, we're kind of breaking all of us who are participating into different groups, and we're going to spend the next four weeks getting into the Word, talking about one anothering, and growing together as we build new friendships and as we strengthen the relationships we have right here in our church family at MCA. So again, I want to encourage you to participate, to make some new friends, to uh, maybe even go out of your comfort zone. I think that's what the Lord oftentimes calls us to do. That we're, we're to connect with people who maybe aren't part of our core group. Connect with people who maybe aren't in our same age bracket. And so, uh, again, what a great opportunity we have as a church family to lean in and to participate uh, in being a vibrant community of transformed believers. So thank you for your support and participation in that. Can't wait for our Sunday school hour today. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic time. If you don't know where you're going yet, there are signs and uh, papers in the foyer or ask someone who will help you get to where you need to be. So for our study this morning, connected to one another, we don't even have time this morning to go through all the scriptures that talk about being connected to one another. Paul loves this analogy of the human body. We see it in Romans, 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, Colossians. Over 30 times, Paul uses this analogy of the body of Christ, believers, followers of Jesus are like a human body where you're one part and I'm another part. Many parts, one body. So one translation of Romans 12, 5, this is the God's word translation, says, even though we're many individuals, Christ makes us one body and individuals who are connected to each other. How important that we be unified as the body of Christ, especially as we long to then pursue radically the mission that God has given us to share the life-giving power of Jesus with the world. And so I'll say, I've said it before, but I'll say it again. We need you. We need each person. We need unity. I heard about a pastor who was teaching on this exact subject. He was actually doing it in the context of children's church. And so he's telling the kids just this. And this bright-eyed four-year-old girl is listening intently, and he's explaining how God wants them to all get along, and God wants them to love one another. And she's tracking with him, and she's following along, and she believes. And then he, he reaches this point where he says, God wants us to all be one. She immediately stands up in protest. She says, I don't want to be one. I want to be four. We belong to each other. But if we consider, so using the jigsaw puzzle analogy, the variety of puzzle pieces, it's really easy for us to see that each piece is distinct. Each piece is unique. There's not another one that's like it. So it is with us. Each one of us is gifted. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what the scriptures say, right? Fearfully and wonderfully made. You're one of a kind. Paul teaches us about this in 1 Corinthians 12, which actually will be there this morning. So if you've got your Bible with you, uh, open it up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I think that's, that's primarily where we're going to be. This is a topical uh, series, so we'll be in several different places in the New Testament. But for this morning, 1 Corinthians 12 is really where we'll spend most of our time. Uh, let's look at verse 14. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 14. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Many parts, unique, different, distinct. Unity is good. Diversity is good. <laughs> Right? If unity is emphasized at the expense of diversity, 
then we have uniformity. And unity and uniformity are not the same thing. They're very different. I think if diversity is emphasized at the expense of unity, we have disorder. Anarchy, if we want to be dramatic. That's not good either. So what we need to do is we need to celebrate unity without demanding uniformity. Unity and diversity. Diversity within unity. Recognizing that we are connected to one another and yet each one is distinct. When you think about your puzzle piece, it's really of little use or value right now. Your puzzle piece. I mean, with the exception of the fact that if you lose it, we're all going to be like, where's that piece? Was it Haley Miller? Did she lose her piece? Like, what's up with that? So your, your puzzle piece, like, it doesn't really have a whole lot of value until you connect it with the rest of ours, right? So that's, that's the beauty is that, that when, it's, when the puzzle piece is in your pocket or your hand or when it's in the stack or when it's just still sitting in the box, uh, it's not connected and it's not contributing or helping. And so the passage that Ryan read for us from Romans chapter 12 says we have different gifts. It's not a cookie cutter. It's not mine matches yours and yours matches mine and the follower of Jesus all looks the same. It's that according to the grace given to each of us, we have different gifts. And so then we have this great encouragement. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. (laughs) Kind of kind of simple here, right? So we've got, we've got fourth graders and fifth graders with us this morning. I feel like they understand this. Like they can grasp this concept. If your gift is prophesy, prophesy, prophecy, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve, Paul says. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, give encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. God's kingdom and the local church as we are an expression of, is made up of people from all sorts of different backgrounds. We all have our own story. We all have our own walk of life. We all have our own set of skills and abilities. So so God's kingdom in the local church is beautiful when it's expressed as young and old and in between. Rich and poor, married and single. Like that each one has a spiritual gift And we're called to use our gifts to serve others, to build up the body of Christ. So again, as we talk about being connected to one another, we see that each one is distinct. God made you unique and special. There is no one else like you. So do you know your place in God's kingdom? Because each piece is indispensable. Important, valuable, We can't do without it. We sometimes fall prey to thinking that, well, there are some that are more important in the church or in the kingdom, and there are others that are less important. They're they're inferior. I hope you're still in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, by the way. Let's read 15 and 16. Paul addresses this situation of those who potentially feel inferior. He says, Now if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of, of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't for that reason stop being a part of the body. Every part of the human body, and again, that's the analogy that Paul goes to over and over and over, it's designed to work in sync with every other part of the body. A foot might feel less important. (laughs) The ear might feel like it's a mediocre body part compared to an eye or some other part, but each part 
is necessary. Each part is indispensable. Everyone is essential in the kingdom of God. So using the puzzle analogy, you're, you're a puzzler and you put together the puzzle with the exception of one last piece. There's that hole, there's that gaping hole, that spot that needs to be filled. There's one more piece that needs put in there. Are you happy with the puzzle? Well, I did it all but for one piece. No, you call code red. <laughs> you go all out. You've got to find that piece. Did it fall down in the cushion of the couch? Did it somehow get stuck to the bottom of the plate? You want to find that piece because the puzzle isn't complete without it. The puzzle isn't complete without each and every piece. Because everyone is needed. So in God's kingdom, there isn't some that are more superior, some that are inferior, some that you can do without. Each one is important. Each one is needed. I heard the story about a sea captain and his engineer, and they're constantly arguing about which one of them was more important to the ship. I'm more valuable. Without me, no, you're not. It's me who runs this ship. They couldn't agree, of course, and so they decided, we're going to swap places. You do my job, I'll do yours. It's kind of a classic sitcom situation, isn't it? You know, where it's like, you think it's so easy, you try it. We'll do it for a week, and then they do three hours, and the whole thing falls apart. So uh, they, these two, the, it's, the, it's the captain, and it's the engineer, and they swap places. The engineer goes up to the bridge. The captain goes down to the engine room, and half a day later, up comes the captain. He's frantic. He's screaming. He's out of control. He's obviously hitting the panic button. He's wildly waving a monkey wrench. Chief, you have to come down to the engine room. I can't make her go. And to which the chief replies, of course you can't, because I've run the ship aground. <laughs> your contribution to the kingdom of God, your part in the local church is unique and your role is essential. You are not indispensable. You are needed. Let's go to verse 21. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are what? They are indispensable. The ones that seem to be weaker, the ones that seem non-essential, Paul says, they're indispensable. You can't have the eye saying, I don't need the hand. Verse 23, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. The parts that are unpresentable, treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. The upside down kingdom. Choosing the weak and the lowly. Special honor to the people and the parts and the segment that don't seem very flashy or important and i love there how we read in verse 24 that it is the lord who fits us together it's his design it's his heart it's his plan the master designer who formed us and who then calls us to use the gifts that he has bestowed to us why to bless others and to bless the heart of god yes each part is indispensable but we can't do it alone. <laughs> yes, 
Each piece is indeed connected. Your puzzle piece was designed to fit together with all of the others. We won't have the full picture unless each of us contributes our piece. We won't have the full picture of God's design and plan for our church, for his kingdom, unless each one is engaged, serving, helping, connected, connected, living in connection. And I want to make this point right now. Listen, living in connection first and foremost with almighty God. When we talk about connection, it begins with my relationship with Jesus. Because then that impacts my connection with you and with others. So connected with God, with your Savior, with Christ, walking in relationship with him, and then experiencing harmony in your relationships with others. And this is a huge problem in our world today. You do not have to look very far to see people who aren't connected. Connected to God and connected to others. We think we can go it alone. I'm I'm particularly thinking about in relationship with with other people. You know, we just, we have this tendency to say, I can handle it. I can manage it. I'm not going to share it. I'm not going to reach out for help. I'm not going to include others. I'm just going, going to grit my teeth. And I'm going to endure. Certainly, I have the will. I have the ingenuity. I have the resources. We think we don't need other people. Or, we're so busy with our work and our schedules and our full schedule that it's like, I'm I'm so preoccupied. I don't have time for connection. I don't have time for friendship. Oh, the core group is doing something again, but it doesn't really suit me. And we just stay so busy and so preoccupied that it's like, I don't really have time for friends. I don't really have time to connect with other believers in Christ. And then we're all alone. And we're on an island. And you know what's on the rise in our culture? Loneliness. Depression. Sadness. Isolation. People who struggle to know, where do I belong? Does anyone see me or care about me? And even the bigger questions then of, what's my purpose? Why am I here? What am I to do? And I'm I'm here to submit to you this morning that it's in the context of genuine Christian community that we find our identity, that Christ roots us in his purpose, and then we are able to express the gospel message and the good news of a God who loves us and has redeemed us and sent us on mission for him to make known the name of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, when we are fit by God's hand into the puzzle piece, the the picture of his kingdom, the picture of the local church, it's a stunning makeover. We go from isolated and lonely and confused and wondering to I am known. I am accepted, I am embraced, I belong. And, and this isn't because we're perfect people. This is, this is the challenge of doing life together, isn't it? That, that I can be annoying, and I can be bothersome, and I can be offensive, and I can hurt people's feelings, and I'm guessing you can too. And so doing life with other flawed humans is hard. We have to learn to forgive, and we have to learn to accept one another. More on that next week. 
It's hard. But, but in our weakness, God takes us and fits us together with other imperfect people to make this beautiful picture of the body of Christ. For better or worse, we're stuck together. Stuck together by God's design. Verse 25 then in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul very clearly says there should be no division in the body. There should be no division in the body. But that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. This welding together of lives within the body of Christ is beautiful, and yet it's wrought with challenges. How do we preserve our unity? No division in the body? That makes some of us want to laugh. <laughs> like for any of us who have been in a church that had some conflict, that had some division, that, dare I even say, had a parting of ways, it's almost laughable. To say, no division in the body, that's what churches do. We bicker and argue and fight and then separate. I'll go this way. We'll start a new church. We'll go that way. I don't agree with what you said. So how, I, 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 I ask this question as I read this passage, how can there be unity in the local church? How can there be an adherence to the teaching of the Apostle Paul when he says, there should be no division in the body? Well, the answer is right there in the same verse. No division in the body. That's the first part of the verse. The second part says, its parts should have equal concern for each other. That's the solution. Connected to one another and caring for each other. Again, not flawlessly, not perfectly, because we're imperfect people. But when someone is hurting, we rally together to help them. We do life together, and we embrace the fact that we belong together. God has placed you here. He has a unique role for you, and so we accept you and embrace you, and we work those things out together in the kingdom of God, that we are connected. You're like a piece of the puzzle that God is putting together right here at MCA. And do you think God makes mistakes? Because I don't. I think God knows exactly what he is doing, that he's strategically piecing together people who he has called, people he has redeemed. Why? Because he wants to advance his mission so that even more would hear the good news and respond. Even more would be brought into the kingdom, discipled and trained up. Why? So that they could go and make disciples. Yes, God has created you. For a unique role within his kingdom. God is putting something together right here at MCA. You are an indispensable part of what God is doing. We wouldn't be whole. We wouldn't be complete without you. We have no chance of thriving. We have no chance of, of advancing our mission. Without you uniquely in the position that God has prepared you for and is placing you in. The supreme example is Jesus. He knew his role. He wasn't too superior for it. He wasn't too grandiose. What did he do? He humbled himself as a servant. He stooped down to wash feet. 
dirty feet. And he taught us to do the same in John 13. In fact, there was a time where his disciples were arguing about who would be greatest in his kingdom. Jesus says, whoever wants to be great among you must be a servant. Whoever wants to be first must be a slave. And then he says, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The supreme example is Jesus, who was indeed fully God, who came as the lamb of God, the prince of peace, the living water and bread of life. Jesus, who is our redeemer and our righteousness. Jesus, who shines as the light of the world, the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end, the first and last. Jesus, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, stoops down and washes feet. Jesus willingly goes to the cross and lays down his life, endures the agony of crucifixion. That's how the body is built up. It's when we follow the way of Jesus. We don't take the high road to say, well, I'm, I'm too good for that. But we say, where can I serve? How can I help? What's my part? What's my role? Selfless, sacrificial living. And this humility of Jesus was so great that when he was mocked, he didn't shout back. When they were hurling insults at him, he was silent. When he was accused of not being God, he didn't miraculously release himself from the cross. When he was beaten, when he was struck, he didn't fight back. When he was spat upon, when his beard was pulled, he didn't rain down fury from heaven. He endured it. He was humiliated. He was punished for the wrongdoing of others. He himself did no wrong. And as he did those things, he was allowing God the Father to accomplish through him what could not have been accomplished otherwise. Only Jesus could take away the sin of the world. And when we follow in his footsteps, we recognize it's God who has designed me to do these things. No one else. God has a purpose and a plan for you. He's calling you to step into that. You can't just say, well, someone else could do it. It's you. You're the one. Jesus has been the supreme example of this. <laughs> oh, thank the Lord. He never tells us to do stuff that he himself isn't willing to do. Jesus walked through it all. Greater love has no one than this. Than to lay down one's life for his friends. Yes, in God's master plan of salvation, there was one way and one way only. Maybe you're here this morning. You've never put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I want to invite you to come after the service. Our prayer team will be here. We would love to introduce you. Say, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He forgives you, and he wants to use you in mighty ways. Come and meet with us. We'd be honored to pray with you, to walk with you before God's throne of grace. What good news. Because Jesus endured the cross, willingly laid down his life, took our punishment, and victoriously rose from the grave as we've just celebrated on Resurrection Day. We, too, can have new life. For all who put their trust in him will not be ashamed.
And so, friends, this morning, as I encourage us to, to be connected to one another, to, to even express that through, through serving one another and caring for one another, to live in harmony with each other, it's only because of Christ. It's only because of Christ. You can only live that way when Jesus has transformed you. It's only because of what Jesus has done. It's only because of the unfailing love of God expressed through Jesus, his life ministry teaching, death, and resurrection. And so keep serving him. Serve him with fervor, with everything you've got. And keep loving one another as you love yourself. That's what Jesus said. To love your neighbor, love others the way you love yourself. Forgiving, restoring, building up. And to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, as Paul writes in Ephesians 4. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you. For your goodness. We thank you for your favor, for your blessings. And we count today a blessing, and we count these fellow brothers and sisters in Christ a blessing. We count the freedom we have to worship you a blessing. And so, Lord, we pray and submit ourselves to you that you would knit us together, that you would perfectly piece us together as a puzzle, fitting us into the mystery of the gospel, that we might be a picture of your goodness, that we might shine brightly in a very dark world. And so, Lord, I pray especially now for those who are feeling alone, who are feeling unseen, isolated, unwanted. Lord, give us eyes to see. And if you can hear the sound of my voice this morning, I want you to hear, you are loved. You belong. Because of what Jesus has done, you are forgiven, redeemed. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. And as a local church, we need you. And we want to sharpen you in your faith and encourage you and work shoulder to shoulder beside you. And when life gets hard and life gets rough, we want to come alongside to help bear the burden so that you will not be crushed under it, but you will stand up strong because Christ is in you. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so, Lord, I pray a strengthening in these hearts and in these homes that you would ready us for this season to face the challenges and to go out into our schools and places of work and neighborhoods and communities. And when the enemy attacks, that you would protect and lovingly guide us in your paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Lord, we want to give you the honor and the glory. And we are so grateful that you've rescued us from the dominion of darkness, that you've brought us into the kingdom of your son, a kingdom of light 
a kingdom that knows no end. And how we long for his sure return when we will be taken into glory and spend eternity worshiping at your feet. Oh, great and mighty God, we thank you. We pray it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.